Well, good morning, everybody. Again, glad to have you here this morning. We're going to open up today in the scripture to the book of Galatians chapter 6. It says this, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, I got to tell you, it has been a long, late winter. Man, weather like this can get depressing. Seriously, when the sky is socked in, when it's so cold for so long, and when you're living on a farm, let me tell you, if you think you got a bad in an apartment or a condo where somebody's like shoveled out everything all the way for you to get to your road in your car, you try coming living on 20 acres when it dumps like 20,000 times in the last month and you're out there on tractors trying to get people in here and shoveling snow and then it melts and makes everything mucky and freezes again and you can hardly stay on your feet just walking from your house to the truck and it can be absolutely nasty plowing snow hard to get animals out in this cold weather and then they're all mad being cooped up on the inside the horses are bucking and kicking the dogs are whining and uh, the birds of prey, especially that Harris hawk, he's used to living in Arizona and southern Mexico, which is where that breeds from, is like, bring me into the garage. And so it can be a little bit nasty. Not to mention trying to get ready for spring break, which is tomorrow. And every time I go out there to do something or, or fix something or rake some gravel, it's covered in snow or frozen and I can't even get to it. And so as late as it is, and having to exercise every bit of leadership skill I have to stay in a good mood and wake up every morning and say, this is the day the Lord has made and smile and still treat everybody with dignity and have some laughs and have some jokes. As late as spring break is and as hard as it was, I am so glad to see the sun. And I am so glad to actually yesterday be able to take off my hoodie and uh, while I am working in the parking lot. So that's what I did yesterday. We needed a temporary fence, which I have not been able to get to since Christmas because our parking lot has had piles of snow. And so yesterday I spent the day welding panels together for temporary fence. If any of you are welders, don't you dare go over to those panels um, because I took some 6011 farm rod and didn't even grind the paint because I'm behind schedule. Just blah, blah, blah. And so let's hope they hold together. So... That has been my last few weeks trying to get there. And to boot, I splattered welding splat all over my new, well, month-old iPhone watch, and it's not looking so good today. So, but I'm not complaining because it was a sunny, sunny, sunny day. So, when that sun came out last couple days, it's like a big weight just gets lifted off. It's like, oh, thank you, Jesus. The sun is here. Um, no more snow. Every time I thought the snow was over, another dump came. Thank you for the sun, and a big weight came off. And so I got thinking about weights coming off. And Sunday morning worship, it can be kind of like that. You know, if we truly engage in worship rather than just go through the motions and sing the songs and, and uh, you know, tap our feet to the rhythm, if we actually engage in worship, it can feel like that. It can feel like a, a weight comes off us for the simple fact is that when we worship, what are we doing? We're focusing on God. And when we focus on God, the rest of our problems just shrink away. It can't help it. You know, when we get in the presence of God and, and we, we metaphorically or physically get at the feet of Jesus, we, we really, we shrink our problems and realize how big he is when we bow ourselves to the creator and celebrate everything that he's done in our lives. Sunday morning worship can, can be like that. When we engage with God, he shrinks the problems of the world. Proverbs 12, 25, the first half says this, 
Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. That's the first half. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. When we get feeling down, it's not so much that the weather got me down. It was that the weather caused a whole bunch of problems for me, which was creating anxiety to try to get me down. And so anxiety in the heart of man can cause depressions. And so being in the presence of God is opposite of that. Because when we are looking at the creator, we're looking at the problem solver. The one that is above everything. The one that sits in the heavens and just laughs at the plans of man. The one that in a spoken word created the entire universe. And so when we start to worship God and magnify him and realize how big he is in our life, all those problems just kind of shrink away and we lose those anxieties of life. And so that's a good reason to come to church. It's a good reason to come to church so that we can worship God together because there is something wonderful about worshiping in a group of people. You know, a group of believers filled with the Spirit of God who have God residing on the inside of us. It's, it's, we don't go to find the presence of God. Wherever we go, we have the presence of God. And so when you get a multitude of believers just hanging out and worshiping together, it's a wonderful thing. When we engage with God, He truly has the ability to shrink our problems looking at him, which is another, which is a good reason to come to church. But there's other good reasons to come to church, which is something I've thought about a lot over the past few years. I mean, a lot of times I just ask myself, why do we come to church? And I'm not like, like the guy who doesn't want to go to church. You've probably all heard that joke where, you know, the wife's trying to get the husband out of bed saying, we need to go to church. We need to go to church. We need to go to church. And he's like, leave me in bed. And she's like, we need to go to church. And he's like, leave me in bed. Let's, it's time. We got to go to church. And he says, give me two good reasons why you need to go to, why I need to go to church this morning. She says, first of all, it's Sunday morning. That's a good enough reason. And second of all, you're the pastor. <laughs> so, but I'm not like that. I, I like, I like coming to church. There's some days I haven't liked coming to church, but I like coming to church. So one good reason is that we can worship corporately, but there's other reasons. And like I said, I've thought about it a lot over the last few years because things have changed so much with the, with the internet and with our phones and different things. You start to ask, is there a good reason to attend church? Because I don't know about you, but I, I listen to a lot of stuff on my phone. As a matter of fact, every morning I'll listen to a podcast on a drive if I'm not working too early here in the morning and, and be taught. And I can be taught by some of the greatest speakers all over the world in, in just a press of the button. And so I do. I ask myself, what's a good reason to come to church? And the reason to come to church lies in the second half of that proverb, which says, anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. So when you look at that proverb, the problem we get depressed and the problem we get weights put on us and, and life goes bad is because of anxieties and because of problems. But a good word makes it glad. It's the opposite. A good word can take away the problems of life. A good word makes it glad. So when you come to church, that's a lot of what I think about is giving a good word. First of all, in the preaching. Now, is preaching good enough to come to church? Yes and no. Like I said, we can listen to the best preaching. Listen to better preachers than me online. You can just boom, 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 anywhere, five, ten of them a day if you want to. And so you can get a good word from your vehicle. 
But there is something special about coming to church with a group of believers to hear the word because God knows where you're sitting for that moment and he has a word for this place. He has a word for the people sitting here this morning. He has a word for this organization, for this ministry. He has a word for for, um, the camp next week. He has a word for you and your specific problems. He has a word for your business, for whatever you are going through. He has this kairos, this word that happens in the moment and he can make that word alive to you. Now he can do it on the station too, but there's something about localization with God speaking to people. So, one good thing is that you get to come and hear the word of God. And so the word of God is seed as I preach it. I trust that God has a word for each and every one of you, including myself. I trust that as the word is being spoken, it is seed like the Bible says. It lands and we walk into the world. A lot of times we can leave a place and go, I don't know if I got something out of that or not. But the Bible says the word is like seed and all of a sudden it will harvest. And it says, you know not how. But all of a sudden it arrives. If you're sitting here this morning hearing the word of God, hearing scripture and listening intently, I mean, the Bible says not only to be cautious of what you listen to, but take heed on how you hear, which means to pay attention, to not daydream too much. And if you do that, the word of God is going to get on the inside of you. And no matter how you're feeling about this morning, you will walk away with something growing on the inside of you until whether a day, a week, a month, two years, whatever, it can come to fruition and all of a sudden bear fruit in your life. So it's important that we come to church for that reason, to hear the word of God from the preaching. Sure. But there may be other possibly even more important reasons to attend church now that we have a phone with every preacher on it. And that lies in the second half of that proverb as well, a good word, but I'm going to look in Hebrews chapter 10, 24, 25, which goes hand in glove with that proverb that says this, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, talking about coming together as believers, not forsaking, not staying away, not forsaking our the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, he's saying some are already doing that, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Now I want to stop for a minute here on this particular scripture. In the first part, it says that we are to consider one another. One of the things we're to do is come to church, not forsake ourselves of the assembly, come to church so that we're in a group of believers. And as we do that, the Bible says that we are to consider one another. Consider one another. Now, again, English leaves so much out when dealing with the scripture. And so when I look at a piece of scripture, I always want to study out what the scripture means. And in order to do that, I usually have to go to a Greek scholar to figure out how that scripture was meant in the first place, because the New Testament was written in Greek in that language. If it's the Old Testament, it's in Hebrew. And so I will go to some of my favorite Greek scholars, and I'm not a Greek scholar myself. I just have an internet, and I just look up these Greek scholars and say, hey, you know, I want to know what this, Google in, I want to know what this particular scripture means, and it tears it apart in Greek, and you can come up with some amazing stuff. And so one of my favorite Greek scholars is, is a fellow by the name of Rick Renner. And when you look at this particular scripture, he says the word consider is a Greek word that means to examine thoroughly, to ponder something from top to bottom. Now, here's a direct quote from him. This word pictures someone who is so concerned about someone else that he has taken the time to really consider that other person. He has observed that person's ups and downs, his highs, his lows. 
He has studied to find out what helps that person feel encouraged and what events tend to pull him down. Because he is determined to really know and understand that person, he invests a great deal of time and concentration into studying and getting to know that other person. This kind of knowledge does not come by accident, but by determined pursuit. So in English, we go, consider one another. In Greek, the original way that God meant this to come across was that we are to spend a lot of time studying the people around us, knowing their ups and downs, their highs and their lows, figuring what what can encourage them and what brings them down, and being on a hot pursuit with this, determined to figure out this person so that we can be of help. That's a lot different than just come together to consider one another. I can go, well, I'm considering Todd's shirt or somebody else's shoes, but this is a lot different than that. This is that we are supposed to basically spend time thinking about the people that are around us, their ups and downs, highs and lows, and how we can be helpful. So although church is a place of worship and to hear the word of God, it is also a place to consider one another. Now, this goes for other believers and other people, not just believers in your life. But this is one place the Bible says that we are to consider one another. That's not a fleeting thought. That means if you're considering one another, you're spending time thinking about people. And if you're home alone or home when you're doing this, you're probably going to be praying about these people, thinking about them, praying about them. What can edify them? What can encourage them? God, what can I do to help these people? in their daily lives and in their situations. You see, getting together is not just to worship and then leave. It is to consider one another. It's not just a place of worship to hear the word. It is to consider one another, to observe ups and downs, to study people. Now, don't get weird and start studying too much. We know what the people be like. What are you? Just kidding. So, first part of that scripture. Secondly, Consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. So spending a lot of time figuring out who's around us in order that we may stir up love and good works. Now that word stir up is also translated provoke. Is also translated provoke. And the same scholar that dealt with the word consider also dealt with the word provoke. And it's a very interesting word. It is the word in Greek called paraxusmos. And it is a makeup of two Greek words. So provoke is paraxusmos, which is a makeup of para and exusmos. And so para means alongside, and exusmos means to sharpen something. So this scripture is actually saying that we should spend a lot of time considering one another, how we can help people know their ups and downs, their highs and lows, how we encourage them, and that we should be coming alongside people to sharpen them. This is why we're to go. This is why this is some people have started to forsake the assembly. And this is the reason why we shouldn't because we should be studying one another to how to help them. We should be coming alongside other people to help sharpen them in love and good works. Isn't that cool? Not come along to the word provoke sometimes is negative, you know, to we're not coming along so that we can criticize. We're not coming along so that we can point out everybody's bad faults. We're coming along to stir people up to sharpen, to provoke them to good works. And I don't know about you, but anybody who's ever provoked me in a good way has provoked me by example. If someone comes to me and they come alongside me and they want to know what's going on in my life and they want to encourage me in a situation and they want to pray for me in a situation and they're like all about just victory in Christ and everything good, I walk away going, man, I want to be more like that person. 
But if someone comes alongside me and says, thus saith the Lord, you're an idiot. And I've been talking with God in my prayer closet and I'm the watchman on the wall and you da 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 I walk away from that person going, I don't ever want to be like that person. Right? Not the thus saith part, but the negative, downtrodden, beat up part. Right? And so we do it by example. And so what the Bible's saying is one of the reasons to go to church is to get around people, to get alongside them, to lift them up, to edify them, to impart grace to them, to speak life into them, to speak the word of God into them, to give them a word. Why? Because the word says that it's the opposite of anxiety causing depression, that a good word can actually pull them out of depression. Isn't that awesome? Something spoken in the right time can pull someone out of it. So cool. So cool. Galatians chapter 6. Started with verse 2 as an opening scripture, but we're going to read 1 through 3 now. It says this. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. Just stop there for a second. This is often what we don't do in the Christian world. If we see someone in a trespass, our first reaction is to point and tell people about the person that fell, you know, or, or make fun of it or act like we wouldn't ever fall into that or, you know, spread the news in a very negative way. But this is a very, it's a very uplifting scripture. At the same time, it's a very warning scripture to people. It says that we are to come alongside these people in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you be tempted. And so in this scripture, I ask myself, what keeps me from that? Why we come along someone and lift them up is because there's only one reason that keeps me from that. It's the grace of God. And so we ought not to look at ourselves too highly as the scripture goes on to say. Why? Because we could fall into that situation and everything that we do in victory should be followed but, but for the grace of God. Right? So, brethren, if a man is overtaken and trespass those who are spiritual, so the ones that don't do it this way, Bible's basically saying they're not very spiritual. Restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you be tempted. Verse 2. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. So when it talks about people in a problem, those who are spiritual are supposed to come alongside that person in gentleness, being spiritual, trying to lift them up, considering one another, knowing their ups and downs. What can I do to edify this person? How can I come alongside this person to sharpen this person in a very gentle, wonderful way to help them out of what they're going through to bear their burdens? Because it goes on to say, if I think myself more highly than I am, I'm deceived. Why? Because there's only one reason I'm not doing that is but by the grace of God. People would say, well, it's because of the word, and well, it's because of this, and well, be the only reason you want to, the, to, to get into the word, the only reason you desire the word, the only reason you have excitement towards the word is by the grace of God. Really, the only reason you take your next breath is by the grace of God. The only reason you can see the word or hear the word is by the grace of God. That's why we have to walk in gentleness and meekness, because outside the grace of God, we are deceiving ourselves if we think we are above that. Now, I want to focus in on the spot, though, that talks about bearing one another's burdens. Now the word burden, again, looking up, studying this scripture out, in the original language, it is saying that this word burden or baros in, in, in Greek is a weight that is so heavy or crushing. And so when it's bearing one another's burdens, 
We don't always have to bear one another's burdens. I mean, you know, there's times in the, the scripture says we're to encourage ourselves in the Lord. There's other times where we need to encourage people in the Lord. A lot of times we should just be encouraging ourselves in the Lord and probably eight out of 10 problems that we run into rather than just running to everybody, we should just learn to run to God. But there are times that no matter how many times we run to God, we are just not in a position to do it yet in life. And we end up under these burdens, these barrels, these, these burdens that are such a heavy weight that it feels like if someone does not come and help me, I am going to be crushed under this thing. I can't bear it alone. There's times in life where that happens and probably more than once or twice in life. Now, this word is also used by Paul in other scripture. In 1 Corinthians uh, 1.8, it says this, You who will also confirm you to the end, that you may be blameless in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, bad translation, but it talks about bearing to the end, and so being under a crush to the end. Go on to the next one, please. 2 Corinthians 5.4, For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Basically in these scriptures, when you research them, Paul is just saying there's times in life where we are so burdened, we can hardly, hardly, hardly bear it. Can you grab another, are you able to grab another scripture for me? Can you grab 2 Corinthians 1.8? For we do not want you to be ignorant brethren of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond Measure. One's translation says we were pressed beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. So you can see the language that's going on here in the word barrels burden. Even Paul, the apostle Paul, is saying, Listen, I've been in positions in life where I am so pressed, I am so burdened that I don't even have the strength to be able to get out of this. And that's what happens to some people in life. That's what happens to all of us in life at some point or another. We're going to God, we're going to God, and all of a sudden we just get some times in our life that we just need somebody else to come up underneath to be able to help bear that burden. And so it's a picture of a person being under weight so heavy he feels that he will break if someone doesn't get under him and help. And so to bear one another's burdens simply means is to get underneath with somebody and help that person lift the weight. And so when we start to put all of this together, the reason why we come to church is because we get around people. Now, it's great to have friends, and it's great to hear the word and worship together, but we're also here together so that we can consider one another, because everybody in this place is going through different things at different times. Some of you walked in this morning, like me with the sunshine that just came out, and I'm ready to just rock and just, just go forward and just take on the world and take on hell with a squirt gun. Some of you came in this morning, and you've been going through some stuff. It's like, I know you're talking about the sun, but it doesn't feel sunny to me. If you have only idea what I was going through, some of you are going through stuff that people know about, and some of you have your own stuff that you don't even want to share with people because maybe it's embarrassing or whatever it is, and, and you're just like stuck under this weight, and you don't even want to tell somebody what it is. You just want somebody to get underneath and just pray with you and help you get out from the burden and the, and the, and the weight that you are underneath. We're all in different spots in life. And next week, it's going to be different. Next month, it's going to be different. Six months from now, those people that we're feeling all beat up today are going to come in all on the top of the world. And that's why we need to meet together because we're all in different places in life. 
But we should be studying one another and having conversation with one another so that when we know when someone shows up, they're just not being themselves, that they are beat up and weighed down and under a burden, that we need to be there. Why? So we can set a good word into motion, so that we can come alongside somebody and we can sharpen them with a word. We can pray with them. We can breathe life and grace into them so that when this burden of weight is on top of them, that we can get in and lend a shoulder. And oftentimes it's praying. Oftentimes it's just listening to somebody, and many times it's just speaking some life into somebody. I can't tell you the amount of people that come to talk to me when they're beat up. When I first used to do this, I used to just want to like solve the problems. I want to, everything they say, I just want to answer and change how they're thinking. But most of the time, they're just blah, 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 because they're just hurting. They're just being squished, and it's just coming out. And so I've learned now just to listen, 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 listen. And then I usually just ask a couple questions, you know, about some good things that are going on. And maybe the last time they got in a fight and the last time that the Lord pulled them out. And then I get to a point where, you know, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. And then I usually pray with people. And all they really wanted was somebody to listen for a second and care enough just to stick a bit of a shoulder under it. Sometimes that's all people need. Just a little bit. Sometimes they almost got it. But they just need someone to say, I'm with you. It's going to be all right. Help wipe the windshield, you know? Sometimes they're just squinting through a dirty windshield. And they just need somebody to come and wipe the windshield for them and go, you know what? There is still a future. There is still a future. There's still some light ahead. I mean, let's face it. We're Christians. Even if it ended up in death, we're still in good shape. That's why we can view things from a different position, right? But by the grace of God. And I know I've needed those in times of my life, and I know that you've needed that in times of life. And as I was thinking about this, it reminded me of a thing that happened to me when I was 16 years old. 16 years old, I had this uh, 66 Impala that I was working on. And uh, we were all into fast cars back then. I was in Merritt, and it was like every street was a drag racing street, and it was just different times. Anyways, I was working on this old 66 Impala, and I'd put a new engine in it and uh, I was working on the tranny and it was an automatic tranny. I wanted a four speed time, but it was an automatic tranny. And I drove my 66 Impala up onto just wooden uh, ramps. And so it was in my backyard and I drove it up on the wooden ramps and, and uh, my e-brake wasn't working very well. This is going to start the story off. You kind of start thinking what's going to happen. And I got up underneath and I was working on my tranny on the linkage and different things. It was sloppy and I was tightening it up. And all of a sudden <laughs> I hit, I hit the linkage too hard on the tranny. And it went into reverse or neutral, whatever it was, but it came down off the ramps. And I was pinned. And anybody know what a 66 Impala is? We're not talking about a little Volkswagen bug here. We're talking about a heavy piece of machinery. And I'm pinned under the car. And it's right on me, and thank God I can breathe, but I, I can't even move, and the breathing's restricted, but it's enough I can start yelling for people in the house. And at that time, my mom and a friend was in the house who uh, at the time probably didn't trust too well to drive the vehicle, but somebody had to get in. And so they came down and they got in the car and they couldn't even sit on the driver's side of the car because it was crushing me even more. And so they had to like stick one foot outside of the door and one foot in and that didn't work. So eventually I got them to get in very slowly into the car. And so then I'm looking around to make sure if anything starts up, am I going to get all cut up here? Is the fan going to take my head off or am I good here? What's going on? Am I going to get my nose caught in a alternator belt or looking around? All of a sudden, I, I get them to start it up. 
And so now I'm like, okay, <laughs> now these are old wooden rafts. These are not like, these are just wood on a, another couple of pieces of wood. And now I got to get them to inch it forward, back up on these ramps. I put it in gear for them from, from down. I'd say I put it, they start it and then I put it in gear. Don't put on the brakes, one foot on the brake, one foot on the gas and just inch it up a little bit. And after a couple of scary little ups and downs, we managed to get it up and I was able to get out from under that car. But I don't know what would have happened if someone wasn't there. I don't know what would have happened. It was, uh, it was a dangerous situation. And uh, I guess you already figured out my point is I ended up in a position where I had something on me that I couldn't get off myself. And I needed somebody to help me get this huge weight off me. And thank God there was people there in my life that got the car up and off me. Like I said, I don't know what would have happened if people weren't around that day. It would have been just left there. And um, that's my point. Some of people, you people spiritually, mentally, physically, are going through stages in life. Or maybe you know someone that's in that stage of life. And maybe you just, or maybe you, there is someone in that area of your life where you just haven't paid enough attention to to realize they're pinned under the 66 Impala. So, including myself today, I just want to encourage all of us to look around and not just have a quick glance. Let's consider who's in our lives. People here, your family members, your friends that you get to see, a Bible study, a workplace, whatever it may be. I just encourage you to consider the people that God has put in your life. And if there's ever a time where they want someone to step in, and speak something into their lives and encourage them and maybe even hear about the gospel is when that Chevy's sitting on top of their chest. And I guarantee you, you're around people long enough, every one of those people in some way or another will end up in a position where they need someone to help get it off. And it doesn't matter who these people are. That's why Hollywood commits suicide by the dozens. It's not about money. Life just hits. And without Christ, without us to say, but for the grace of God, and realize who is in control of this situation. It can be awful dim. So that's my encouragement today, and that's what I want to pray about this morning. And I believe that maybe some of you are here in that position, or maybe you know of people that need you. And I encourage you to take a look, a good, hard look at the people around you and who God has given you in your life. And even ask him, not even, ask him who needs a, who needs a hand. And I guarantee you, he'll lead you to it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are so good. I thank you that you care for us and you want burdens lifted. I thank you, Lord, that we have the privilege to be around other people. Father, help us to consider them as you would consider them. Help us to see them as you would see them. And help us to know their ups and downs and their highs and lows. And help us to know when we need to laugh when they laugh and cry when they cry. And help us to know, especially God, that when they need a helping hand, that we can go and speak something into their life to help them lift the weight off them, to pray with them, to hear them out. Father, I thank you. that We have the privilege to walk alongside people and sharpen areas of their lives by imparting grace to the hearer. Father, in Jesus' name, give us those eyes to see the people that need us, that need you in us. In the name of Jesus, amen.